Oh yeah, I kind of need your help. On the podcast today, I'm going to be interviewing Dallas Taylor from oh, the nice. podcast 20,000 Hertz yeah. that I like. And I'm just like so nervous, like I'm going to geek out, you know? No, you you need to just calm down. I can't. I can't calm no, down. You I just, always I do this. keep thinking you about it. You always do this. No. Remember when we, we met Edward Norton at the laundromat? Yeah, of course. He was doing laundry because yeah. he says he likes how the clothes turn out more. I know. But... You freaked out. You started going through his stuff. You can't I was do helping like him. That. I wanted to help him. I you started, loved him. You threw all the stuff down and then yelled fight club. I, I didn't know, know what, what to do. I freaked out. I know, See, I this is really what I'm afraid of. You're making just, me more afraid. Well, then why did you come to me? For advice. Okay. Well, I said, just calm down. Ugh, I yeah. don't know. Just, like, let's practice it. Like, say, okay, okay say I'm, I'm him, okay? Hey, I'm Ethan. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, my. Did Hold on, let me try again. Let me try. Okay, hey, what's hey, up? No, Dallas, like s- Dallas, Texas. <laughs> let me say hello oh first. Oh, my God, I'm fucking this up. You're cr- stop crying. I can't stop, stop crying. crying. I can't stop crying. Yes, you can. Bad science. Did the movie get it right? Bad science. Or will we have to fight? Hi everybody, welcome to Bad Science. I'm Ethan Edinburgh and today we have a very special episode, not just because we're talking about a six-time Oscar-winning film, Mad Max Fury Road, but because we're talking with someone that I'm a huge fan of. He's the creative director of DeFacto Sound and the host producer of the podcast 20,000 Hertz. It's Dallas Taylor. Hey, thank you. Can I just hire you to like go before me on everything that I every room I walk into (laughs) yeah I would be honored that's like the dream job sweet you've got it okay great uh I guess I quit so that's the end of the show uh (laughs) see you later (laughs) I'm now Dallas's intro man um yeah Dallas I absolutely love your podcast so I do want to talk about that uh first um just because it's perfect for people like me uh just audio nerds uh sound geeks it's kind of like I, I I quickly compared it to a radio lab just because it's so tightly edited and uh I I don't know if I would say scripted because you do have interviews with people um but uh but yeah yeah, 20,000 Hertz. Uh, everybody should listen to it. Uh, how how did you get into making that podcast? How did that start? Uh, well, thank you for that, too. Um, the um, I'm a sound designer myself and spent uh, many years doing sound design, particularly for ads and trailers and TV shows and all that stuff. And, in, and even in my line of work, when we only have um, visuals and sound to work with like so only like two emo- you know two sound or two um uh what am i trying to say two senses to work with uh with those two senses uh sound was always kind of like totally pushed all the way into the very back burner and of this tiny little importance uh so over the years i worked with a bunch of people and i was like you know what i want to just tell us tell stories about sound and talk about how cool it is and uh, hopefully to get people to elevate their hearing importance kind of up to the level of visual or taste or something like that and so um so that's what i did and uh what i found out is people are really into sound stuff like everyone's kind of an audiophile I mean, yeah, I think the podcast medium is perfect for it. Um, and I think you just absolutely nail it. All these stories are so interesting and you do such a great way of like weaving in these audio examples. Um, and uh, and it kind of leads us perfectly into this film because it seems they, they out of the six Oscars, it won two of them were for sound. I think it won best yeah. sound yeah. mixing and sound editing. And it's something that I think a lot of people don't think about when they're watching a movie, which which maybe is a good thing because it, it should be, you know, kind of like the base in a 
band, I would think about it. Like you don't, you're not actively thinking about that when you're listening to a song, but if the bass is good, you can just feel it in your soul. Um, yeah. And uh, and that's certainly the case with this film. So so why do you think it did win both of those awards and, and did it uh, stick out to you in that way? Like while you were watching the film, were you thinking like, wow, the sound in this is incredible? Oh yeah. So, I mean, this is kind of like when when sound is not restricted at all in a, a film or with a budget constraint or anything, if you get something like this. I, I believe there's like, I counted on IMDb, 79 credits just for sound uh, on this, this film. Okay. And um, that's just super rare, even in a giant film. And so when you just have like so much attention brought to it and so much like so many people who can think about it and experiment and time and and all this stuff like you get something like what we what we got here uh you, you just can't just like land on cool sounds and throw them in uh it really takes like a lot of experimentation a lot of um, trial and error and a lot of different people with different backgrounds and things to kind of put something like this together and it's just like two hours of just like um i don't know i mean a master class is kind of kind of cliche to cliche to say but like it's it's like two hours of like non-stop sound perfection mm-hmm. i mean it could be uh, arguably kind of the the sound editing slash sound mixing uh film of the decade yeah uh, just with how much thought and time and like craftsmanship went into that yeah i agree wholeheartedly I, it's funny because i was watching it uh, a second time thinking about the sound because I knew I'd be talking to you and there was a few parts where I was like oh that was that was kind of out of place or that was kind of lame because like you know for example he like snaps his fingers at one point and it's clearly not a snap that you would hear in a car yeah. outside it's like a, a beautiful like perfect snap in like a gorgeous reverb and then it was dawning on me that like oh that's completely on purpose like they want us to hear particular things at particular times in order to tell a story or like part of a story right yeah there's nothing in this that actually is like scientifically factual with the <laughs> with the way that law that, that sound physics works um, and that's what people want though you know yeah. it's like you don't want a cartoon that's like like, you know what? We're a we're, we're a cartoon, so we're not gonna have any sound because we're not real. Like you gotta you gotta make it you know something cool. And this is kind of like a cartoonish version of just like cinematography and storytelling brilliance, I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's hard to say like what it is. It's it's weird because it has so little dialogue. Um, right. And it's just like shot. It's like a uh, just a constant chase for two hours of <laughs> it makes me feel like uh, I, I mean, I've never done methamphetamines. I don't know if you have. I have not. Uh, but I have not. And I suspect that if I did, this is about what it would be like. Right. Uh, for two hours. Like I, I, I watched it for the second time um, in a long time last night uh, and, and finished it at like midnight. And I was like, I, I can't go to sleep. Like, I just want to go <laughs> going do, on like, a run. I want to go do like 10,000 pushups right now. And. <laughs> considering I can barely do 20. Um, I think I could have done it, though. Um, but yeah, it's 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 just like a non-stop white-knuckle thrill ride yeah. um, that just doesn't let up. I mean, it kind of lets up, but it's still just like this constant moving of, of things. And we, uh, as a sound designer, so I do I do a lot of sound design for, tra- uh, excuse me, I do a lot of sound design for trailers and um, advertising and do a lot of these like really intense car spots. So things that would share similar types of sound design here, but I mean, even in our, our world, um, 30 seconds of something like this would take, oh my goodness, a week, 
plus weeks of back and forth with clients and stuff just because there's so many directions you can go right and that's that's kind of like the brilliance of it is that every second of this thing could have been designed in a completely different way and it still would have been amazing um but they chose this and somehow even through the bureaucracy of making a film um landed on something eventually and put it out so it's it's just a it's like just a great it, it, like the perfect example of like an achievement in sound uh i think it's important to remember like oscars are about achievements and things like that and like best is relative and all that stuff but like to achieve something to this level um i think they did 75 days of just a final mix so this is after they've wow. done all the the sound editing and all that stuff so it's just like it's it's a marvel from like the first few minutes of uh on just any kind of sound front yeah, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, not that anybody cares about my thoughts on that, but um, <laughs> I do. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. I, I really feel like this was the perfect live-action cartoon movie. Like, there's nothing else I've seen that very takes... much for adults. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's for adults, and it's and it, there's tons of action, and there's things flipping around and exploding and crashing all over the place, but it all feels real and cartoonish at the same time, which like I don't know if I've ever seen before, at least not to this extent. It seems like George Miller, the director on it, took like 20 years to just like all just be like, wouldn't it be cool if we if and insert any possibility of cool and it's just like it's like a montage of just like the the most baller thing you could possibly put on screen <laughs> just over and over and over and over and over again yeah um but yeah i mean with the sound stuff it's like you know things uh interestingly there's different styles around the world there's like a very american style of like sound design and, and um mixing and things and then there's kind of a, a something that i've seen in like a british style it's a lot more like true to reality generally of course you know when we're talking about superhero movies and stuff things change right but um but this one is like such like in the pocket of like what style of sound design is really popular right now and it's just like ultra tight ultra clean ultra quiet even the voiceover like right at the top is like unbelievably not real because it sounds like it's coming out of like Tom Hardy's throat like it's right. probably like a shotgun that's like picking up the back of his throat it's just super <laughs> intimate and I love it um, yeah but you know there's 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 of course cliches and there's all those things and that's that's important to yeah I, I, I just love not when I don't feel barraged by sound in an action movie. I feel like most of the time watching these action movies, it's just I'm being hit in the face constantly. And you're right. There were these moments of just absolute silence or just, you know, really quiet when he's like walking up to a car and you just hear the gun cock or something. And the the tightness of it was extremely attractive. It was so pleasant to listen to the entire movie. And you wouldn't think that going in. You know, you would watch the trailer. I mean, all trailers sound like bombs are just going off constantly now can be a family drama about a rich British family and somehow it's just bomb every yeah. five seconds. But, Base dives and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But this, I don't know, even in between the action, it just seemed so, so nice. It was like an orchestra uh, of sound, which was, uh, yeah, incredibly well, what's, impressive. What's mature about this this film on the sound front as far as, uh, especially this is very much speaking to the mix level. Now there's two different things here. Like I think that most people kind of don't know what the difference between like achievement and sound editing versus achievement and sound mixing but um sound editing has to do with like the creation and the and the, the building of all of the elements that will then later be kind of mixed so the mixer is like a conductor of an orchestra the sound editing is like the performers you know they're, gotcha. they're providing the feedback to where the conductor can can kind of craft and and all that stuff and what's really mature about this is like um 
the constant barrage is a cliche unto itself, and we see that all the time in trailers. Yeah. But when you look at, like, when you're working on a film, like, there's this constant uh, idea that, like, every single scene has to be the most epic thing in the entire world, like, constant <laughs> epicness over and over and over again. Well, if you have constant epicness all the time, you don't have any frame of, frame of reference of what's not epic to make it epic. Mm-hmm. So, so it's kind of can, anything that's super epic can almost just look kind of cheesy and cliche and and de-elevate a little bit. Right. But what I, what I mean in this context is like, if you don't have quiet, you can't have loud because we are in control of the remote controls. And if you always have loud, you just turn it down and it's all just ho-hum. Yep. So, um, so in this one, what's great is they kind of force you on this whole roller coaster of super quiet, super big and boomy, and then kind of everything in between. You're saying that editing includes sound design, uh, Foley, uh, like the creation of sound. Yeah, so I can give you kind of the the general uh, idea of what the soundtrack looks like. So we all know dialogue and kind of voiceover and every, all the voice elements, and then we have music, and a lot of people know that. Mm-hmm. Now, even within those, uh, the music aspect, when the music mixer on a film could have hundreds of tracks of every single instrument to where they can just pull down the violins when someone's talking rather than the entire score. So there's a lot of nuance involved with, with just the music mix. Um, but the sound design is kind of split up among a big uh, a handful of different categories. So you have Foley. These are things that like you touch with your hands and feet generally. So like walking would be recreated uh, completely. This is usually done in like a studio with two performers um, uh, with mics really close to their feet uh, or hands and then somebody kind of recording it all. Are um, you a master Foley performer at this am point? Am I a master Foley? No. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, I do a lot more commercials. So most of my Foley is like three footsteps in a sequence of a montage type of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so Foley, um, that, that Foley's in a performance, like an, that's an extension of the actor already. Like bad Foley can be really funny just un- unto itself. Yes. Um, I love comical. that by the way. Yeah. So then, then you have like another level backgrounds. So these are things that kind of tie scenes together. This is wind, this is birds. It's things that like, as they cut the camera, because keep in mind, a lot of these are single camera. Most films are, or a lot of films are single camera. So they're cutting uh, different parts of the day and who, completely different times just to shoot different actors, uh, you know, talking to each other. Mm-hmm. So backgrounds is this, this thing that kind of like tie everything together. Um, it, uh, you know, combined with the Foley, you kind of have an environment, you have a, um, you know, you have the, the things that the actor's touching and, and all that. You have this thing called hard effects, which is uh, kind of everything else. So, like, if you make an explosion, uh, you typically you're going to go out and record explosions and then kind of combine explosions to get, like, every element of an explosion kind of, like, perfect from the attack, the sustain, the release, um, you know, a door slam. Like, anything that you're kind of pull from a, from a recorded sound library is generally going to be this hard effects. And it's something that I think about a lot just because it's come up so much and nowadays and trailers and stuff is this whole world of like emotional effects these are like symbol wines and like boom hits and like things that are like purely designed to elicit an emotional response a bass dive things like that um so those are generally kind of what people think of now in a giant film like this there's going to be whole sets of tracks to uh, dedicated to one single vehicle or like you know the whole kind of clan over here and over there and all that stuff so uh, it can get extraordinarily complicated and i know with this film in particular the sound was was unreal i mean they were they had i don't know hundreds of thousands of sounds probably and um and a big part of this was without of all of those sounds is like finding focus on on single or a handful of sounds that would really kind of like um 
speak to the scene the best and then have the other thousand just kind of underneath it in a subtle way <laughs> so it's just Jesus. wild to get to this level of uh sound design yeah that sounds like a maze of hell um do you think that they were recording on the day all of these because you know I, I saw some behind the scenes footage which if you enjoy mad max fury road you need to go online and watch these little mini docs on how they made the movie because it's absolutely wild these like stunt men i mean we could do a whole podcast about how badass the stunt men are in this movie they're just doing wild stuff um and by the way i wanted to mention a fun fact that two pairs of stunt men met and fell in love and got married uh on the set of mad max Fury Road, so I thought that was adorable. Not only that, it was Tom Hardy's stunt double and Charlize Theron's stunt double that <laughs> yes. came together as, and got married. That's correct. <laughs> they have the best story of all time now. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, they're because they're actually blowing stuff up, right? They're actually making yeah. like these huge explosions, these timed explosions, and they're actually crashing all these cars. So. Do you think that they were also, you know, miking all of this stuff and using it for the mix later? Or did they just do everything, you know, uh, over again in some sort of soundstage? They were doing a combination of both. Uh, but I know on this film, when they were doing car stuff, they were they had a second unit of sound that was going and recording the cars and, and kind of additional sound effects there on um, on site, which is unheard of. Like, no one does that. Uh, so, yeah, so they were, they had, like, a second unit of, of sound people that, like, went off with the cars uh, when they weren't shooting them and recording them. And I, I'm sure that that same unit was probably recording the explosions and, and everything, too. So, just, But, you know, of course, in sound, we have... 800 billion explosion sounds so whether or not they use those who knows um yeah they probably it, I mean, it does seem like a good move though like not to waste all this you know all these engines and stuff like that's yeah i, don't, I would want it recorded too well sometimes you just don't know what the mechanics are and sometimes like what you see and what you want to hear are two totally different things like even with a like a gunshot or something like a, what a real gunshot sounds like is like a crack like it's just like a like mm -hmm. firework but you don't want to hear that like you want to hear like you know when when i when i'm designing something like that like you know i could grab the sound of a crack but it's so unsatisfying so it's like i have to put like that sound plus like um some sort of uh you know other shotgun or like some sort of explosion underneath that with a, a addition like add like a thump on the microphone add a cannon you know add like the biggest possible things possible to where like you can you know, give the feeling of what you want to hear, not what you actually hear. Um, oh, so the the sound of guns in the movies, for the most part, is a lot scarier than a, the real sound of a gun. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, real guns are just loud and sound like a firecracker. Um, but even, ex well, explosions don't have... Uh, even explosions like you, you just don't have like that level of detail in anything um, but you have but with films and stuff like we have the ability and we've even been taught what things sound like through films that just is not accurate at all um, you know even like sound and space and stuff like right right sometimes it works really well I remember uh, like from the first reboot of Star Trek like the Chris Pine version of it and stuff there's this great scene where like the hull gets breached and there's all this chaos and super loud stuff and then the you follow this one character gets sucked out of the hull and then it just goes into silence and it's like okay that's that's pretty awesome yeah but generally if you have a space fight and you see explosions like it I don't know it'd be kind of boring to not hear it depending on what your what the what the artistic intent is but there's a lot of stuff we've kind of been trained on with sound through films that are just not accurate at all in the real world all right we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back the break is over 
here we go back to the show about science um okay so i again a few things uh, that confuse me number one Towards the beginning of the film, they dump a bunch of water through these, like, three uh, yeah. pipes. And it just seems like the most ineffective way to give people some water, right? <laughs> I think you're right, yeah. So I guess that they have a, that, you know, they, they, they sum all this stuff up in, like, a minute. Like, right at the beginning with, like, some voiceover and news stuff. And apparently, I guess there's, like, an oil war. And then they extend that all the way to water war. So, yeah, you have all this water somewhere buried deep in a mountain um, with a right. pretty great infrastructure where everything else around is pretty awful infrastructure. But, um, I don't know, they built something out uh, pretty amazingly this into a mountain uh, with a great connection and with a great release valve, yep. uh, but they're just kind of like once it's out in the open, uh, we're just gonna see what happens to it and just rain it down on people. Yeah, it was the first example of a few times in the movie where it seems like, oh, you have this ability, but no other abilities to do anything. It's like yeah. you have such <laughs> primitive technology, but then you have a guitar with a bunch of amps. You well, know, yeah, which is pretty awesome. Oh, I mean, super awesome. Uh, yeah. And I totally get why they did it because it's awesome and like cartoonish and comic booky, but it just yeah. made other stuff stand out where you're like, why don't you have, a, why can't you give people water in bowls? Why can't you just pour it out in small increments? Everyone's thirsty. Yeah. I always wondered, like, did the the guitar player and stuff, like, was there a, somebody who like trained the guitar player? Like, did he go through music school or like, right. I mean, he's pretty decent. Um, yeah. I mean, even like the, 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 uh, the distortion pedals and stuff were like, where do they get that? like out in the middle of nowhere it's yeah like they have really... distortion pedals but like no radio yeah and it's like the, the the speaker cabinet array and stuff is like just so perfectly manufactured but like uh <laughs> but yeah it's just a you know um, and, and poor guy doesn't have anybody to jam with <laughs> exactly there's and there's no, no one else they, they did have taiko drums everywhere though even yeah, children were, were banging on taiko drums uh which is which is a very convenient drum to have when you are doing epic things all the time Right, um, you know, if it yeah. was like a, if it was like, bon I'm just glad they didn't have like bongos, because this whole film would have been a lot different. Yeah, yeah, it would have been, uh, yeah, very strangely like a samba, <laughs> uh, I, which I would have loved. But you know, I, I also would have loved like some a bass player, and uh, yeah. you know, maybe give that guy a mic. Maybe I would like to see this whole film with a bossa nova soundtrack, though. That'd be. I mean. Sweet. Listen, I don't know what you're doing if you have any projects lined up, but I feel like we could get a lot of press if we remixed all of Mad Max Fury Road yeah. with Samba. It would be the smart thing to do. Okay. Well, great. Yeah. So that's what I'll be doing the next month or two. <laughs> um, I, th nobody eats in this movie. I was thinking about that. Wow. Like, I mean, they barely drink. I mean, the water is certainly not enough. Everybody needs to drink more water, and we have water. Mm, yeah. uh, but nobody's drinking any water. And then also, I just, I don't, he eats like a lizard towards the beginning of the movie. And then... And the one guy eats a bug. Right, he eats this tiny, like a little spider type beetle. The milkmaids, though, apparently eat a lot because they were uh, clearly um, fed. Sure. Yep. Yeah. That's true. And yeah, I mean, there's bigger guys. I mean, like a lot of these, I don't know what they're called because I've nobody says anything in this movie. But the the soldiers or whatever are all like jacked up. You, you know, know, these guys are like super strong. This might be actually pretty accurate because generally, when you accumulate wealth and stuff, of course, you're going to be the top of the food chain. So there's almost like a bit of like if if you're really big and chunky, like you might do really well for yourself um mm -hmm. you know I, I could definitely use a few lose a few but i really enjoy eating so it's kind of like a back and best. forth with that um yeah. 
but with this, like all the leaders were the ones that like were the fattest, which made the most sense um, that they I, kind of accumulated most of that stuff. Right. Uh, while all the soldiers and stuff were like fa- like famine and uh, barely eating anything. Yeah, um, but they're also jacked up. Like the people that were waiting for the water down there, like the population are, they seem to be starving. So they have they, like a secret stash of protein bars somewhere. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like that's really what it seemed like. Yeah. And like weight, you know, weight rooms and stuff somewhere. There's a giant gym in that mountain somewhere and some sort of hunting range, I guess, where there's like buffalo and deer and stuff. I, I, I would have appreciated seeing some sort of... Uh, you know, like a bunch of carcasses or something somewhere. See, like a just, spa scene where they're just like getting jacked and like ste- sitting in the steam room, like ready to go. Yeah, um, doing sit-ups. Why, why was their skin white? Was that paint Don't or know. was that like their... Okay. I mean, I guess it's paint because they also have that like chrome spray for when they're going to kill themselves. Apparently that's like a euphoria thing. Like it's a thing mm. that uh, apparently has like a euphoria drug in it. So they like spray their face right before they like martyr themselves and they yeah. like spray their teeth and all this stuff and they have like a chrome god. I know they do worship like the V8. Um, I know that's a big part of the movie, but yeah, they, they kind of they sacrifice worship themselves. worship a giant juice company? <laughs> oh yeah, or the juice company. Yeah, uh, I mean, who knows? Um, tomato juice and salt. I mean, you got to get a sponsor however you can these days. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's uh, there are some jacked jacked folks in here. Um, their scars seem pretty uh, conveniently um, epic for yes. for a big moment like this. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, they had some milk, I guess. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that just a, confused me throughout the whole film. Such Everybody's an uncomfortable so jacked part. Up. I feel like you got to eat so much to get that juice. Ah, that uh, did. They did make a point to show that one of the guys who was super jacked up was drinking the milk. I don't right. Know yeah. His like yeah. his son or whatever. Right. That is a protein source. Yeah. Uh, an uncomfortable I mean, one. Yeah, but it's something. It, it I mean, is everybody, something. Everybody else has literally dirt to eat. Yeah. Dust. Um, he at the beginning attaches Max to his car, to the front of his car, and he calls him a blood bag. And he, uh, I guess, is like, it's like a transfusion. He like needs his blood for some reason. But I didn't. I didn't. It just seemed like, hey, let's go. I'm taking this guy. I'm taking his blood. Let's go. And I just didn't understand why he needed his blood. You know, uh, I'm glad that this this podcast is not about. Uh, factual, like the part of the actual story, because I know this is documented somewhere, but I'm, but I'm glad that I can just wing it and kind of go. This is what I think. Um, yeah. Like I think that all their like cracked lips was because of the water situation, mm. and then the blood thing. I'm not exactly sure, but I know that right at the beginning of the film, they tattoo that he was O positive, so kind of he was a universal donor, and okay. so he was like really valuable. And then they hung him up upside down to like drain his blood into this really thin guy who ends up kind of mar- you know. Tr- joining the gang later um why that was the case well maybe it has something to do with white skin i don't know oh Um, okay that makes sense yeah i I know that there's i I know that this is probably as easy as a google search but um but you know why would we do that i don't know why when we certainly don't have time yeah no (laughs) (laughs) i could have easily done that um okay the uh the he shoots gas he shoots fire out of his guitar speaking of the guitar guy Mm mm-hmm and uh, and I just thought, like, the whole uh, war here, the whole battle is for oil and for gas, right? And so yeah, why the fuck would he just be shooting? There's, like, several yeah. dudes who are just flamethrowing from the back of cars, and it's seemingly for no reason at all, right? Uh, it does seem like these people are relatively... Um 
uh, uneducated um, and yep. don't see the correlation between fighting for more of the stuff and wasting it while they're maybe it's just a, a an example I don't know maybe it's just a analogy for the human condition um, oh okay here we go now yeah, that's, a, that's that a just solid sounds like answer. a smart thing I don't think that that really holds any weight at all it just sounded like something that would be smart to say in the moment um, no that is smart I feel like it's true we as of as a people just waste stuff for no just because we like it just because it's fun and in the meanwhile yeah. like we don't we we have a finite amount of resources that's true yeah and so we're just flame throwing out of our guitars uh, in all kinds of little s- small ways um, in life yeah yeah fine f- stop flame throwing however you're flame throwing guys it seems like that would be like an inspirational quote in that um <laughs> like that that really inspirational cursive with like flowers <laughs> yeah. in the background like yeah there's a like a cat hanging on from a cliff uh, yeah yeah um, and and he's holding a flamethrower <laughs> <laughs> stop i think of like footprints in the sand except for like there's like a charred part like of s- on the side of the screen or something i'm uh, telling you if there were more charred cats on posters people would pay attention right that's true yeah if you want if you want people to pay attention uh just just you know do something terrible uh with with cats i guess uh, yeah oof. i mean that yeah. i mean you said it not me but i'm I, agreeing with you uh oh god i'm just gonna scoot <laughs> scoot away right now yeah um okay i uh i wanted to ask you going back to sound what other films like i don't know impress you in the same way because i was trying to just think about and i couldn't uh mm, okay. what what movies like uh yeah i just highlighted oh there's got to be the, so many um the things that I love are, are something like Wally, um, that where everything is created from scratch and it's yeah. just so well thought out of, or th- it's so well thought out. Um, and the thing that is difficult is not just throwing sounds at something. It's like, th- it's like finding the right sound for something mm-hmm. and finding the character, uh, alongside that. So like Wally was really impressive and it was even beyond just the Wally voice, which was brilliant and, uh, Eve's voice and and but it was like the mechanics of the size of Wally. It was like the mecha- like the, the rockets and like everything was just like so perfect. Um, yeah. In that. Uh, there's a lot of uh, I, you know I'd love sci-fi in general just because it's so adventurous. Uh, but there's a lot of room for cliche in that too. Yeah, Pixar stuff's great. Um, God, I'm just like it's the Star Trek stuff. Yeah, any space stuff. The Star Wars stuff. They're just all so brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh and but there's opportunities still... to be to be great in everything it really just depends on like how much the director and the and the team cares um i think that there's a little bit of like a, a there's a little bit of just like a race to how cheaply can you produce something in all content in general yeah and um and sound is just not on the priority list when you when you're going through a sheet of budgets and stuff uh so yeah that's uh uh, and this is kind of just the opposite. I think it, with anything, if you put more time into sound, it's just going to be so much better. Um, yeah, in quality yeah, and everything. Uh, when it's when it's overlooked or like you said, not not spent enough time on, it's so obvious to me, and it just takes me out of whatever I'm watching so quickly. Yeah. Um, okay, I, I was watching an interview with one of the guys that did sound, and he was mentioning diegetic sounds for the yeah. film. Do you know what that is? Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, I believe diegetic is the things that you actually see. It's like it's like the source from what's coming out of the film. So like if a diegetic sound is like if someone, you know, 
rattles a door handle or something like that's a that's a thing that's coming from the world um i don't know what the opposite of that is but yeah it's kind of like that emotional versus uh versus like real from the world sound it's like a real complicated way i've never liked the word diegetic because it's like a thing that no one understands and you have to like look it up right but it's like i think it's just as easy to be like sounds of the world like you know, yeah. these are the sounds that are in the world versus the big uh, bass dive that you just heard, which is out of the world and Got more it. emotional. Yeah. It's like uh, music would not be diegetic unless the guitar player like that would be in the world. Speaking of the guitar player, he had a bunch of amps that were facing him. Um, so yeah. my question there is like, and this, I, I also have the same question for gunshots and explosions and stuff like Ooh, that. Yeah. If you're close yeah. to such a loud sound, would that deafen you? He definitely so the guitar player for sure has some some high end loss on his hearing. Um, we all have high end loss uh, depending on how old you are. Uh, you slowly kind of lose the very top end. Uh, like generally, we know we can hear from 20, th- 20 to twenty thousand hertz. Twenty hertz is like twenty vibrations in the air, which is really low pitched. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like if you take your hand, you speaker cone. If you think of a speaker cone, do that in and out 20 times that's 20 hertz so you do that 20,000 times and it just gets higher in pitch mm-hmm. but we as humans like our ears slowly kind of creep down to 16k 15k 12k and this is just natural it's just going to happen um can't wait yeah exactly it's amazing um but the, <laughs> but the um and but that of course can be uh, escalated very quickly if you put a giant you know rack of amps behind you a rack of like speakers and stuff especially with like just that screechy noise he's definitely losing a lot of that i'd be surprised if he can really hear over 8k um i think that there's probably a lot of uh mumbling sounds uh in there uh he could already have hearing aids you never know with what uh technology they have there um (laughs) and uh we did see the like ultrasound thing not the ultrasound but like the guy put the little like like primitive hearing thing on the on the belly little doctor move before all the terror this stuff uh, happened. Uh, yeah, but no, it was cringe, cringy for me to see, like, I don't know, like an AK-47 or, or something similar, like, put on Tom Hardy's shoulder and then shot, uh, like, an inch away from his ear. Um, yeah. No, I think I, that would completely blow your eardrum. Like, okay. You could, I instantly thought about that. I was like, how, he's just sitting there like, yeah, go ahead. Well, it's like a pressure wave. Like, sound operates very much like a pressure wave, and that's just an enormous explosion of pressure. Uh, I mean, that's why explosions sound like explosions it's because it's a pressure wave and that's when you see those um those videos of like a giant like bomb going off and then you see the sound you see the wave coming at you you know like you see that like shock wave coming yeah. well that's that's also like sound and i think it is at the speed of sound or something similar depending on your altitude and and temperature and barometric pressure and all that stuff um but if you imagine putting that that pressure right next to the ear with all of those really sensitive tiny little bones and membranes and stuff um it would be like hitting a snare drum uh with a bullet you know (laughs) so it's gonna break right Uh, right so you can definitely not hear out of his right ear uh they did underplay that i think with um uh, tinnitus sound so both times that it was really close up you heard tinnitus that's that real high-pitched ringing sound which is something that uh, a lot of people have tinnitus all the time but your brain will filter it out um, but yeah, you can have like an explosion happen, happen. And then like everything goes really quiet with a, with some sort of tinnitus, but it's definitely ramped up in this, it, you know, if they should have just cut all sound from the right, uh, side of the theater altogether <laughs> for the rest of the film, just to be <laughs> accurate. <laughs> yeah, that would have been great. 
Yeah. Uh, very realistic. Too realistic, uh, I would say. Um, I have a couple of fun facts here. Not sure if you know, not sure if you don't. Um, George Miller, do you know that, you know, he directed all these Mad Max movies, which mm-hmm. are like classically violent, but he also directed some kids movies. You know about this? That's true. Um, like Babe, I think. And, yes, uh, <laughs> he directed Babe, Pig in the City, uh, and he directed both Happy Feet movies, Happy Feet and Happy Feet 2. Another fun fact, I wonder if you have it here, uh, do you know mm-hmm. who edited the film? Uh, his wife. His wife. Um, yes. Why was that? And she said, because if a guy edited it, it would look like every other action movie. Wow. Yeah. Well, that totally makes sense. Um, the editing was awesome. I think that also won an Oscar, it right? It Just yeah. Phew. This movie just cleaned house, uh, for especially for like not being a typical movie. Yeah. I mean, the, that's what's so unique. It's just such a unique thing. Like, I would say it. Everyone has to watch it once, uh, yeah. and enjoy that first, like, oh my goodness, like constant barrage. I, I'd say like, don't watch it before you're trying to go to sleep. Um, enjoy it. I mean, I, I'm I'm a big fan of even just headphone listening and stuff. Like, I, I'm not mm. an audiophile to the point where it's like you can only do this in 5.1, this and this. Da da da. Like, yeah. I'm I, I watch a lot of films just like on my Bose headphones with my laptop on my stomach, and I, that's I watch this and I can still experience just that epic, beautiful stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, what other fun facts do you have here? I have uh, so there's a line where someone says he's a crazy smeg who eats schlanger. <laughs> there's no cursing in this this film, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah, that's they use smeg because it was used in the television series Red Dwarf from 1988 because that was used like as an alternative for expletives, and then <laughs> schlanger is an Aussie slang word for penis. Yeah, some of the visuals are very uh, disturbing. You know, the guy with the fake nose and uh, his his piercings. Um, yes, very prominent on his chest uh, for some reason. Um, I don't know if that's like a thing that. I mean, if I just walked in like that, um, I feel like you'd be intimidated, um, especially if you didn't uh, know me. I mean, I wouldn't want to fight you. Yeah, that's right. I don't know if we'd continue the conversation. I think we would. I think you'd just be you'd, you'd go with it. I mean, well, I'm contractually your intro guy, so I probably wouldn't have a choice. Uh, That's true, yeah. I thought, this is not a fun fact, just something I wrote down, but I thought that he, uh, Max or or Tom Hardy, sounded a lot like Bane a few times. He he also complained, um, uh, you know, he was really hard to work with because he didn't know what they were shooting. Um, (laughs) And and he, he, and I think that another thing that he said is like, he just didn't know what the direction was supposed to be. Um, but but uh, George Miller was was coordinating such a massive operation that so many different pieces came together to tell that story that I can imagine the actors themselves being like, I have no idea what I'm doing or what I'm right. supposed to be going toward or what. Like, it, <laughs> I mean, if you read a script, it's I, I can't it's under 4000 words of dialogue, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. He has 52 lines of dialogue in the entire two-hour movie about mm-hmm. that's called Mad Max, and he's Max, <laughs> and he has 52 lines of dialogue, and that's including just like two-word lines. Right. Um, so it's a lot of it's just like just you know, hey, we want to hire you just to like look like Tom Hardy and just do your like do like a Tom Hardy look there. Um, yeah. You know. Uh, I mean, he did a bunch of great Tom Hardy looks. He, did. he definitely looks a lot like Tom Hardy. He did, and he did a great great job of being tom hardy but yes he did sound like bane uh, yeah, yeah a few there was just a few that stuck out to me i was like man that is right on the right on the nose and he of, had like the mask for a good portion of the film yes, right at the beginning also true that did not help yeah not at all <laughs>
so as we're wrapping up here, I figured we'd end with the ending of the film because it confused me, uh, <laughs> which is very easy to do. There's a quote at the end that says, where must we go? We oh, who yeah. wander this wasteland in search of our better selves. And then it shows who said the quote or where the quote's from. And it mm-hmm. says the first history man. So is that a big joke? I have no idea. That was another thing. Again, Google. But I thought it was like the... Uh, personally, I was just like, we don't need a quote after all this stuff. We're good. Um, the quote was kind of like, what are we trying to say here? Like, is it is it the like, we need to make a difference? Like, we are the world? Like, uh, right. is this an inspirational quote? Um, the first man thing, I don't know. I'm sure it's very profound. Um, I just refuse to type that into Google. Um, felt whatever it was, it felt real preachy to me. I was like, um, I enjoyed the film, but I don't think I need more confirmation on on, on whatever the, it is that's need to be said here. Okay, um, I'm hold on a second, dude. I'm looking this up right now. I'm googling it on my phone. See, the problem is, is now you're gonna Google it, and it's gonna be something very profound and important to the world, and I'm just gonna look like a jerk. I might be wrong here, but what I'm reading is the opposite. It seems like this is a fictional book that exists within the Mad Max universe. That's quoting itself. That's just pretend. You can't. I mean, I guess, you know, everything's made up, but like it's a next level to be like, you know, I made this whole story up, but now I'm going to make up a quote from the story in a book that is even. What does it mean? Does it even say what it means? No, it just says. Oh, man. It says uh, the history men are the people who are telling the story that Max is involved in. This guy thinks they're oh. mentioned at the end of Road Warrior. Okay. Uh okay. Okay, okay. That it's kinda like the it's kinda like the theory that Samuel Tarley wrote the Game of Thrones books. Yeah, but could you imagine if after like a big episode they quoted Samuel Tarley and be like, What the hell is this? I mean, it still would have been a better ending to be like Hey, good call. You know, the game you know, the game of I don't know, the end, Samuel Tarley. I'd have been like, Okay, finally, that's something cool, I guess. <laughs> the quote they use is him saying the end. <laughs> the end. Samuel doesn't inspire shit. That'd have been something. Um but in this case, uh you know, it must have just been like a throwback. Uh I will admit mm. I did not see the other two. I was very, very, very young. Um, yeah, I was gonna ask you about that, but I guess uh, there's no point in doing I it. Was I was alive. Were three. I was alive. I think. I think the first one was like 1985 or two or somewhere around there. But uh, yeah, yeah. My parents were semi-responsible and did not take a two-year-old to go see Mad Max, which I would also suggest uh, does not happen with this film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it would be a lot for a two-year-old. Three, three. Perfect. So, it, yeah, it's it's, it's kind of getting there. It's like you got You got to grow up at some point. Yeah, yeah, and and that point is three. That point is three. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so everyone should obviously listen to Twenty Thousand Hertz. Uh, is and and contact Defecto Sound for their HBO trailers. Uh, <laughs> everyone that works at HBO. Uh, is there something else people should know about? No, the big thing is a uh, podcast. It's all about sound. Uh, a lot of times we're taking like a really famous sound, uh, in particular when you're thinking about mute movies. Like we did this whole series on the Wilhelm scream, uh, the bouge, a uh, little comical look at like that, that sound that hasn't really been defined all that much. Uh, we did a whole story about movie soundtracks and all of them are really, um, every episode takes us about 150 to 200 hours to make. So Holy we're crap. really particular about it. So it is scripted on a, on a voice, uh, on a narration front, like from me. Um, but we have some really fascinating people. There's a lot of, um, 
uh, really great relevant content if you're into movies and all that stuff but then there's also a lot of psychology and and stuff but the big thing is is we're just trying to make it make sound accessible and not be a gatekeeper and crazy audio files or um i don't know audio audio in general has been this thing that's like i the angry ponytail ponytail guy only has 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 a uh you know an opinion on this and you're not allowed but this is very much for like everyone so go immediately 20,000 hertz all spelled out there's no l- numbers in that so t-w-e etc blah 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 subscribe <laughs> then just forget about it until it pops back up or go listen to an old episode that's fine too it's uh it's a it's a fantastic podcast dallas uh was just listening to that 808 one today you had dj jazzy jeff <laughs> talking about 808s yes, uh, that was and it's epic. uh yeah it's just phenomenal so i hope everybody does check it out and thank you so much for for joining me on the pod and i hope that at some point we can do this face to face definitely thanks so much thank you Bad Science is hosted and produced by me, Ethan Edinburgh. The associate producer is Emily Feld. Our engineer and editor is Lucas Bollinger. And the executive pro-decibel-ducer is Brett Kushner. Follow us on Instagram at Bad Science Show. That's at Bad Science Show for behind-the-scenes photos and more. Send us an email at badscienceatseeker.com. That's badscienceatseeker.com. Let us know what movie you'd like to hear next and any thoughts you have on the show. And, of course, leave us an iTunes review. That lets other people hear about the show, which we all really appreciate. Alrighty, I will We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.